It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. Hey, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I am so thrilled that you are with me today. If you are a new listener, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you so much. Hey, I would love to know what you think about the show. So leave me a review on your favorite platform. Let me know the kind of segments you'd like to hear, and I will be sure to take that in mind when I am reprogramming my show. So today we are going to have a really fun show. We are going to explore both within and without. We have two amazing women as our guests. We are first going to explore the inner world, taking a voyage. Our guest is an amazing psychic. She's an intuitive. She's a healer, and she's going to be sharing her amazing story of how she went from being a corporate lawyer to being a psychic and really stepping into her brilliance. And then we are going to journey from without. We are going to be talking with a world traveler. She writes about travel. She has been all over the world and she's going to teach us what we can do to be solo travelers. And I don't know about you, but I hate to say I have not traveled in a really long time. I was kind of thinking about my passport and realizing that other than Canada, I have not been out of North America since my 20s. My daughter lives in Amsterdam and I've been meeting to visit her, but with COVID, it's made it really hard. So I'm excited to uh, step outside my comfort zone and think about doing some world traveling alone. Um, and I think that's a, such a big part of midlife, right? Stepping outside your comfort zone. So many midlife women that I meet are comfortably uncomfortable. They are stuck in fear and they are afraid to step a toe into doing something new. And that's one of the most important things you can do at midlife is step outside your comfort zone, do something new. And I have to say, I'm not doing so much exploring out in the world right now, um, but I am doing a lot of inner exploration for years. I was totally in the spiritual closet. I grew up in a very scientific family where woo was not okay. And so to be doing things like playing with tarot cards and talking to your guides and doing Reiki was simply not something that I grew up with that was okay. And so years I've for years, I've been kind of like, I'll step a toe in and I'll step a toe out. It's kind of like doing the hokey pokey. And I have to say, since my um, diagnosis with breast cancer, I have taken a whole foot out. I would say I'm actually think I'm fully out of the closet and I've learned how to sort of marry both my um, octopus brain, which is so interested in conventional book learning. I have more degrees than a thermometer, but also turning my brain off a little bit. Been doing a lot of walks in nature and just allowing my heart, my soul, my gut to talk to me and telling my brain, hey, it's okay. You don't have to be on all the time. And I'm encouraging you to, to do some self-internal exploration because regardless of where you're at on sort of the woo spectrum and what you like to do, we all are 
souls. And the more you get in this perspective that you are a soul having a human experience, life gets kind of groovy and interesting. I have to say, as I'm doing more work with my soul and my heart and even my listening, my gut, my intuition, everything is just falling in place. Like I just got back from my first radiation appointment and they gave me my next uh, 18 appointments. All of them worked with my schedule. And I was like, what? Because I have a very busy schedule, but everything lined up. We had a little, little wonkiness with getting our guests on today, everything lined up. And I'm just finding when I get out of my head and into my heart, listen to my soul, listen to my gut, everything works absolutely beautifully. So I am super excited to talk about metaphysics. We have an amazing woman. Her name is Michelle Welch. And she is the author of two books, Spirits Unveiled and The Magic of Connection. She is also the owner of Two Soul Tropia. I love that. Um, it's a metaphysical store in Dallas, Texas, where she offers intuitive readings, healing sessions, in addition to teaching classes on crystals, tarot, energy work, and intuition. Now, this is the part that is so incredible. She is a reformed attorney. Um, and she's still an active attorney licensed in the state of Texas. And she has used her intuitive gifts to numerous court cases. She is the host of a Soul What podcast and the Michelle Sotropia YouTube channel. She's also an ordained minister and holds many certificates in various divi divination and healing modalities. Welcome to the program, Michelle. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great oh, to be here. My pleasure. I have to ask if, for the people who are watching us on YouTube, is the crystal behind you real or is that a is that an image? Uh, so no, it's it's a real um some of the crystals are real, but there's some resin on it too, but it's not an image. It's a real oh, wow. there are crystals over here. So my shop is full of crystals. So this is probably gonna get changed because I'm like, why do I have something that's part crystal and part? There's a story in that, I'm sure. But um but we have crystals all in our store. We have angel wings, everything. So, and we have three stores now about to have a fourth. So we're busy. Yeah. Wow. And so what's the yeah, I mean, what's the reception to that? You're in Dallas, Texas. And when I think mm -hmm. about Dallas, I've been there and I think mm -hmm. about, you know, I think about the show Dallas, right. And I think about, you know, people are very into cars and fashion and it's kind of ritzy and more on the Bible belt conservative realm. What realm, what's it like to have three metaphysical stores. Uh, you described Dallas perfectly, by the way. <laughs> um, that's, I, I call it sometimes they, um, if you, if I think cities have identities and I used to think of the city, it's as sort of a, a greedy city. I mean, a very materialistic city that sounds horrible because there's wonderful people here, but I really think now people are searching, like you said, they're going inward a lot more. Um, and I think we can go inward so that we can take that outward, which is like the hermit card in tarot. Uh, we go inward for our exploration, our journey, and then we come out with a lantern of light to spread that to other people. And in doubt, that's what I've done with these stores and people really seem to be interested. And I grew up, uh, with not the scientific background, but the Texas Southern uh, religious background. And so it's been interesting to watch. That's fabulous. You know, I think that people are looking for ways that they can connect. So mm -hmm. when did you first realize that you had intuitive and psychic abilities? So it's cliche, but for me, it was, as I can't remember when I didn't. 
so I don't know when my first memories really began, but as long as I can remember, I did. But they were in a context, like I just mentioned, that were perceived and received in a different way. So growing up in the home that I grew up in, which was a wonderful home, and I don't want to disparage it in any way, but it was more of a, you have a gift of prophecy or gift of discernment or something like that. And there was nothing, you know, there was a box that I was to stay in. Uh, and so, you know, when I came, and when I came out, as you were saying, of the closet to my judge friends, lawyer friends, many friends, they were like, that explains it, Michelle. And now we understand you. But as far as when I first knew, it was very young. And my parents knew too. Uh, they took me to some doctors <laughs> to see what was wrong with me. And I had um, orange juice prescribed as the solution. Vitamin C apparently would fix what I had, which is pretty funny. That's so. bizarre. So they actually took you to the pediatrician because what were mm -hmm. you, were you seeing guides? Were you hearing voices? Yeah, I saw things and I would, you know how children will just say what they see or what they feel. And one of the big things that I remember, because I got sent to my room a lot because of it and it was raised to be very polite. Um, and I still you know, try to have that be polite and attentive and you know, good to other people and aware of how they feel. But when you have this and you haven't been trained to filter when something's not appropriate to say, well, I was a child and I didn't know better. So my uncle, I put my hands on the back of his head and he looked, this is, this is an older show and I'll, I'll show how old I am, but there was a show called Kojak and his head was like that. He was like, he looked like Kojak. And I put my hands on the back of his head. I was standing behind the couch and I said, Uncle, and I won't say his name, but Uncle, um, he's my godfather, there are worms moving around in your brain. And I got sent to my room, because, and then they told, we found out later, and they probably knew at the time, but that uncle did, he had a brain tumor, and he died from benzene poisoning. So that, I remember that specifically, because I was like, what did I do wrong? You know, what did I say? So it happened all the time. Wow. Well, I'm yeah. so glad that you were able to step out of the closet. I think so many people, yeah. when that happens, kids, they get scared kids. or, you know, yeah. they want to be loved. And so we have to turn off our abilities. And I think kids are naturally psychic and know things. So tell me, how did you go from being a lawyer? When did, when did that switch happen? When did you have that aha moment? And said, so, you know what, and then we'll talk a little bit about how you use your psychic um, abilities in the courtroom in a moment, but when did that aha moment happen for you that you said, you know what, I'm changing careers? It, it coincided with some other changes in my life, uh, a marriage. Uh, I realized at the all at one time, I realized I'm not living the life that I feel comfortable living. I mean, I just took it my, a look at my life and I won't go into details. Just I'll only talk about my side of it. Um, again, not to say anybody else is wrong, but I just it's like I woke up one day. I've heard that phrase, but I really felt like that. I just woke up and I looked around me. I was like, this is not I'm a nervous wreck all the time. I was trying cases or I was helping other people try cases. Uh, was I owned a lot of like three law firms in Dallas and uh, with my ex-husband. And I, so it all happened at that same time that I just said, you know what, I need to adjust to this is my life and I need to figure out how I'm going to be uh, a better contributor to society and, and happier and step into my true purpose as opposed to just making my way through life. That's, yeah, that's not happened. 
That's amazing. And I think about, I quote Brene Brown all the time, but like when the universe sort of grabs you by the shoulders and says, we're not screwing around anymore, it's time yeah. to like step into what you were meant to do. So congratulations for having the courage to do that. I know it often happens a lot of things at once. So tell us a little bit about how you started to use your psychic abilities in the courtroom and how you even use them today. So I, it's it's kind of funny. I didn't really know probably... I mean, I knew, but I didn't pay attention because as you talked about, people will kind of drill it out of you anything when you're young. So I had kind of learned to behave with uh, the things I said to people. But but I was 24 uh, trying cases in Dallas County. I worked for the Court of Appeals for like, like a year, an internship. And then I was trying cases. My third day there, I was literally in front of a jury. And I just remember thinking, wow, I'm really smart. And let me finish this. I'm not going to cut myself. I'm pretty bright, but pretty driven. But I had a lot of help because I could pick juries. And I literally, I just, I would help other people pick juries. I'd go down the hall and they'd say, help me pick this jury. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, I'm pretty, pretty good at this. Well, come to find out my guides helped quite a bit. I actually had, I was in an interview one time with a sportscaster and they're always funny um, when they interview me because they'll just blurt out whatever. And he's like, isn't that cheating? And, you know, aren't you cheating when you do that? And I was like, no, I mean, you know, I'm in tune with my higher self. I'm in tune, in tune with guides. Those are my higher self as a guide to me too. And no. So um, that, that's how I help people. And then I have helped on some cases in my book, my second book, Spirits Unveiled. Um, I am very careful. I get a very clear permission from not only the people who've uh, I've done readings for, but also from the DA's office, from the judges, from the prosecutor, uh, the case that I specifically mentioned in this second book, but I will help people in that way too. But I did use it a lot, my intuition. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And so tell us a little bit about why you opened your metaphysical bookstores. Now you've got three and I can't wait to, to visit and, and see them. What made you decide to open a metaphysical bookstore? I don't, you know, honestly, I don't, I'm not, I'm trying to think back how that just evolved. And we were making these, I don't even have any on, but we're known for our beaded bracelets and they calmed me down. So, you know, there's the long malas that are 108 beads, but on a bracelet, it's about between 25 to 28. And I have pretty small wrists, but that's how we make them standard sizes. And I would just have on maybe a black one that wasn't real obvious when I was still, you know, working in law. And I would just use it kind of as a, a mala and just say affirmations around it. I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. You know, I, because I always thought I had to prove something to somebody, you know, and I still have a little bit of that. I don't know what I'm always running, going fast and I don't know what I'm chasing, but, uh, and, and so I was just trying to give myself some positive affirmations with those bracelets. And I'll tell you what, I think that's how it started. Uh, we would sell them in houses and around Dallas and people, these, you know, people, friends of mine would have these big kind of bazaars inside their houses. They have maybe 15, 20 vendors in their houses. And they sort of asked me and it started from there. And, and really the, the bracelets calmed me down and they're still some of our best sellers, even though there's so many of those beaded bracelets out there, ours just sell like crazy. That's so. And is your store online as well? If people are listening and they want to, okay, so it's Soltropia. So people can it's, see, so I'm sorry, Soltropia? Soltopia. Yeah, no Soltopia. Soltopia. So you're also an energy worker. And mm-hmm. so I'd love to get some of your advice on what to do about toxic energy. I think that a lot of women I work with are always you know, around people who are giving off bad vibes. And I also 
know that all of us are dealing with this toxic media onslaught where we have this toxic media where if it, you know, leads, it bleeds, whether it is like the stock market that gets you all anxious about your finances or worrying about the war or worrying about COVID. And I think it puts us in this, um, I'm saying it's not a cone of shame. It's like a cone of fear, right? So we, I think all of this is set up to get us into fear so that we are disconnected from our gifts. We're disconnected from love. Because when you're in fear, you're in fight and flight and your brain doesn't work right and you can't connect with other people. You feel completely disconnected from spirit, from God. So what are some techniques that you utilize to help people to um, protect themselves from bad vibes? So I... Primarily, the first thing I do is I say, scan your own energy every single day, every morning. First thing, scan what is yours. So do a quick physical, mental, emotional, spiritual scan of your own energy. So that's that way, you know, if I go into if I something, if I see something on the news or if I go in the grocery store and I feel something, I know what's mine and what's not mine. If I go into a meeting. If I go on, and I do this before I go on every podcast, um, what is my energy? What am I bringing to the table? Am I clear? You know, am I clearing my energy? I call it managing your own energy. That's the first step for me. And then it's not about blaming myself. It's about, okay, do I have a little bit of a headache today so that I don't go, "Mm, they have that energy. I'm going to, you know, they gave me a headache. So I scan my own energy. Then uh, I, a lot of the protection things that I say in my first bit, the magic of connection is there's all kinds of things. Like you can use crystals. Selenite is great. I actually have it right here. And I was saying for your throat chakra, um, I'm going to grab it. So this just, uh, this is a big wand, but this selenite is wonderful. Ah, I love it. And for those of you who have restless legs, which I actually do, it's great for that too. You just wave oh, it. That's great. It's so clear and so will black tourmaline. But what I thought about with that, when I was writing the magic of connection is if a black tourmaline can deflect negative energy, transmute it, um, why can't we? Uh, We're pretty powerful beings. So we may need help at times, but I also say, let's get to the point where we know we have the ability and the power to do, and I have a big old black tourmaline, it's off screen, but we can do that too. So I, I, I literally, that's the other thing I would suggest to people. Start realizing that we can change the form of energy. Energy never goes away. It just changes form. So if we can start imagining changing. Now, some days we don't feel like doing that. Some days we need all the tools we can get, right? I have a store full of them. But in theory, we would go out of business as if all of us would step into the power that we do have to change the form of energy. Yeah. So the first thing is just to scan. So to realize your awareness. And I think also once you do that, you start to notice what triggers you. So the people, the places, the things, the media, and you can also then start to be a little discerning. Like I kind of think about when I'm looking at the media that I have sort of like a brick wall and I'm sort of looking over the top. So I'm I I want to be aware of what's going on in the world, but I don't take it all in because I know what my job is to do here is to inspire midlife women, you know, because as midlife women, we influence up to three generations. We influence, you know, our grandkids, our kids, our peers, our parents. So it's super important that, that we are clear. So if you're listening and you know where I'm talking about when you have someone that is really rubbing you the wrong way. Just notice what's going on. Don't react automatically. And then 
Um, you have specific tools. I usually tell people to, you know, breath work is really, really good to mm -hmm. sort of get into anxiety. Um, you talked about selenite, any other techniques people yeah. can use to kind of, um, I don't know, almost having like a cone of like, the, I think about the, you know, the violet flame, right? Surrounding yourself right. with this violet energy that is not going to take in the negativity. Right. So in the book, and just to tell you guys, you can go through them. There's, you can envision a bubble of protection. You can zip yourself up like you're in a, uh, a sleeping bag, you know, just visually. A lot of my friends for their younger kids, I wish I'd known this, before they send them off, they're like, they zip them up with protection, but their energy can go out and, but, and the, the good energy, but just protection for those young children. So the things you visualize, and if somebody's not great at visualizing, they can do, you know, I, I try to tell people, everybody can visualize, just start the practice with imagining the color of your kitchen, you know, wallpaper or your kitchen paint or your, the color of your car. And so those visualization exercises can be really good too. Yeah. Visualization is um, really yeah. powerful. I always recommend people visualize, you know, what it is they want to attract. And if you're not sure what it is, if you want to um, attract, think about a time in your life where you felt really wonderful. For me, it's always about you know joy or gratitude or when you were super happy, visualize that time. And then who so are superimpose it into your present and your future. I think a lot of people, you know, they'll do the vision board, but they won't get into that emotional connection of what it feels like to have the, you want those things because you want that, emotional response, right? So visualization is super powerful. Um, tell us a little bit about your healing work. So I mean, myself, I'm a Reiki master. So that's kind of a, that, the type of healing work that I do, but what, what's your background with healing and how do you heal people or help people so heal like, themselves? Right. Um, likewise, I'm a Reiki, I'm sure the same, right? Reiki master teacher. I don't enjoy the teaching so much. I, I literally teaching people how to teach it. Um, but I, I will do it for a few people. Um, it's just, just not my favorite thing to do. I, I don't know why I even said that, but, um, I, I feel there are other people that are better at teaching it than I am. So I'll refer to them most of the time, but I, uh, love using Reiki and, I, I layer that with crystals and I layer it with a thing that I call stellar gateway healing, which uh, my, one of my guys is Raziel, Archangel Raziel. And so it's that healing has to do with clearing your car. And I, I think of it as our, in our transpersonal chakras, chakras outside of your body. Uh, and it's clearing that karmic stuff. A lot of people will be like, well, you, you agree to it. It's in your blueprint. I don't agree with that. Uh, there are things that maybe we agreed to, but they've served their purpose. And so we can rewrite that karmic contract to a certain degree and we can clear some of that out. We don't have to wait till we reincarnate or some things like that. It's a, it's a heavy topic to go into, but that's what that stellar gateway healing is. And a lot of people have found it very helpful for them. So yeah, that's literally clearing the karmic energy that's no longer suffering someone. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think that's true. And I'm hearing that a lot from people who are healers that you karma is not your destiny. You can clear these things out. You can change, you know, what is happening to you. And for you listening, if you're curious about what Reiki is, Reiki just means universal life force energy. So it refers to both the energy of Reiki 
and it refers to a healing practice that was discovered by a Japanese gentleman about 100 years ago, Yusui, who kind of codified it and taught people how to do it. But it's an amazing modality I'm finding with breast cancer that I needed almost no medication after my surgery. And now that I'm going through radiation, expecting it to be um, very powerful. So it's something that anybody can learn. I'm just, I always imagine, I don't know if you do, Michelle, that what would the world be like if everybody knew Reiki? And, you know, the thing is, is they all have it in them. It's just that when you go and you get the attunement, that's what we call an attunement from your teacher. That's when that Reiki just fires up another level. And uh, so I think it's wonderful. And that's why when I do offer it, um, I, you know, I think there should be a karmic exchange of, of money, but I don't charge much at all for when I do teach the Reiki or my stellar gateway healing, because why don't we want everybody to be, to have it? Why don't we want, if it, if it really works, which I believe it does, why don't we want everybody to do it? Uh, so that's my premise. So it, when I offer it here at Soltopia, it's very affordable because I, I want everybody who wants to learn to learn because so, the world would be a better place if we did. Yeah, absolutely. One, we have about a moment, minute left. One more question before we take a break. Um, wondering if someone's listening and thinking, you know, I kind of want to dip my toe into working on my intuition, maybe talking to guides, maybe doing some energy work. Where do you start? So a good place, you know, now we have so many things on the internet, but I'd be careful who you, you know, you do. So you could contact us. Um, I'm sure, you know, you, Dr. Ellen, know of of great practitioners. I would ask for referrals. Um, I wouldn't just go on TikTok. You know, um, that's a new thing. We hear so many things coming on our storm that they're like, well, I, I learned, you know, on TikTok, they told me to get this crystal Moldavite was one of them to do. And that stuff I've heard is just Literally, I'm like, oh, my, oh, my, um, just the claims are outrageous. And so I'd say the, the way to start is um, you could pick up, and it sounds like a shameless plug, but honestly, you could pick up my books, talk to me or talk to Dr. Ellen, or I, I don't know if Barbara does it, but any, you know, talk to a friend or someone that you read a book or that you connect with and you trust. And that's what I would do. I, I guess that's- it's more of a warning to not just Google anything and, think that it's trustworthy. Yeah. There's and I would add on that. Don't, don't ever get a reading from somebody who approaches you on Instagram. I know I've been impersonated twice uh, yeah. and I actually don't do readings. I do teach Reiki and do that. So Michelle, thank you so yeah. much. We're going to take a break. And after the break, we are be going to be talking all about travel, solo travel at midlife. So stay mm-hmm. tuned. We'll talk to you after the break. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. 
I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome back to Rock Your Midlife. I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, just go to themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. And I want to let you know that our show is sponsored by theoptimal.me. For the midlifer who wants to feel younger, stay active, independent, and energetic without pain or injury, and feel confident that this phase of life is their best yet. I have been using the site, and although I'm a jock, I love to move my body. It's really helping me to reinforce my joints. It's helping with stretching. They have over 200 classes. I'm loving the functional movement exercises. So take control of how you age with the optimal.me. You're never too old to take a smarter approach to aging and give yourself the freedom to make your next chapter your best chapter. So I'm super excited about our next guest. She is going to inspire us to do some solo travel. Her name is Barbara Winward and beginning in her 50, I'm sorry, she's 50, has 50 years of solo travels in college. And after returning from a six month trip to Asia, she wandered off the street and was hired by the Asia Society in New York City to produce films and print materials for adults and children about Asian culture. She worked as a film programmer for them and traveled to film festivals around the world. She has produced and written documentaries in or about Morocco, South Korea, Lebanon, Indonesia, Japan, and India, among other places. And she got her start in film production and writing with New York City's public television station, WNET 13. I remember back when I lived in Westchester in my childhood, and she has been doing um, solo traveling for a long time. So she's going to share that. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Barbara. Thrilled to have you here today. Thank you. Uh, it's Winard, by the Winard. way. Winard. Okay. Yeah. I apologize. Winard. It's okay. And um, then before, when we were um, off air during the break, I asked if you had a question for Michelle. So do you have a question for Michelle about internal traveling? Uh, yes. Um, I, uh, I, I'm coming to sort of becoming calm and overcoming obstacles from a completely different place. And um, some of the people I've interviewed about travel recently is a, a travel tour leader who said, these days you have to just pack extra patience in order to, you know, get through a trip without making yourself crazy during these 
crazy times. And I also recently interviewed um, a Tibetan monk who said that he practices he practices mindfulness meditation and which makes him perfect in airports when planes are late when he misses flights he just looks at it as an opportunity to overcome obstacles um are there it, it seems to be that there are many ways in life to become calm do you feel that that some of these ways are are sort of headed towards the same goal that you have michelle that's a great question. Uh, yes. And am I successful always uh, as the monk is? Um, I, no, I'm not. I'm still on a big journey to, to getting there because I tend to get uptight very easily and be very hard on myself. But to answer your question, I do. I think there's many ways to get there. But I will say, uh, starting with meditation, I'm writing the third book right now and I'm in and out going, do I put in that you have to meditate? Do I or, is it a must? Is it a must? Because I've gone through, you know, you can just take a walk in nature and that's meditation. And I, that's where I am at now. But then I kind of go back to really, you need to sit there for at least that five minutes and express gratitude in a quiet space. But I think whatever means we, we use, I think it, it's proven that meditation will calm us down, right? I mean, they have scientific, scientific proof of that. But I do think uh, these days that some of the woo-woo stuff is coming, becoming more, um, we're having scientific things to back it up. And I do think it's all, it's interesting. And I don't know if this answers your question, but one thing, Barbara, I don't want to take your time. It is interesting to me to see that uh, a quantum physicist or quantum mechanics um, that I had on my show told me that he is so close and he's a scientist to what we believe in in our stores. I mean, you know, uh, the spirituality that I practice. So these two fringe kind of things are coming, science and maybe faith are coming together. And a lot of that does circle around meditation and the practices associated with mindfulness. Yeah. Great, great question. Thank you for that, Barbara. And I would just add, breath is always the quickest way to calm down your sympathetic fight and flight nervous system and fire up your parasympathetic. So just doing some box breathing, some deep breathing will make a huge difference. So let's talk travel. I'm super excited to get moving on this. So what set you off on your path to being a traveler? Um, I don't know. I think it was probably, I must have been about eight years old. <laughs> um, and right from the start, I was from a very boring town um, in New Jersey. And I daydreamed all the time about traveling. When I was old enough to read, I was reading about climbing the Himalayas. Um, I was reading early female travel writers. And uh, I came from a very conservative family. So it just, I just had this vision that I was going to take off. And when I became older, I kind of looked back and realized that um, because of tragedies in my mother's life, she was afraid to have me go out into the world. And I felt that she wanted me to share her fears of the world and something in me rebelled against it. And I was out there. I mean, I, as soon as I could travel on my own, I took off and I had jobs where I worked until I had enough money and then would travel. And I would um, almost always travel alone because people I knew didn't want to go where I was going or in the way that I was going. And so for much of my life, I traveled by myself, but now I am 74 years old. I am changing the way I'm traveling and my life is changing in a lot of ways. 
and I intend to travel alone, but there are other ways in which I'm, I have started to travel and I'm looking at travel. Well, that's amazing, especially for being a woman. Have you found it is safer or more dangerous when you started traveling to today? Um, there are different fears. I mean, when I was younger, I mean, my mother worried about me, my family worried about me, and rightfully so. Um, we didn't have the forms of communication we have now. I couldn't call on a cell phone. Um, I didn't even have a phone nearby. Um, so my family and friends would not hear from me for months. Um, and now it's different. You can be in touch constantly. My daughter's a traveler and she's in touch every day. She lives in London and, you know, we're in touch every day, but, um, you know, the past two years have been very frightening for travelers. Um, and I, I've been writing an article about re-entry anxiety, about starting to go out into the world in the way you used to, but with a different world out there. And um, there are things to fear as well. I mean, I have an autoimmune illness. I just had my knee replaced. Um, and, you know, I have not been traveling long distances over the past couple of years. And I have trips planned over the next six months for India, England, and Greece. And uh, I'm uncomfortable about it in some ways, but I think you're always uncomfortable about taking off to a new place by yourself or even with other people. There are different fears. So I think there are always fears. And the wonderful thing about travel is that by overcoming those fears or just pushing yourself to do it anyway, after it's over, you look back on it and you say, I've done that. And you feel like your soul has grown. That's such a wise advice. And I think it's with anything in your head, if you're all afraid of it, you know, it stops you from moving forward. But then once you go through it, you're like, why was I so worried about this? This is one of the best experiences in my life. So for, for someone who's listening going, gosh, I really want to do that trip by myself, but I'm super scared. How do you get over your fears and where do you start? Um, well, um, as you guys were saying, it's important to do research. And actually for 25 years up until I was 20, uh, 71 years old, I was a senior editor of two online encyclopedias. So I really learned how to research well and which sources you can believe and which sources you, you, know, you, you question. So you have to go and um, um, do research on the internet, you know, in print and, and you know, online, whatever, to look up places you want to travel to, um, see what problems there are in getting around, um, going online. There are wonderful, wonderful women's travel groups online, on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm on about five different groups and people ask questions all the time. They travel together, they find travel partners, they find information about, you know, where can I go, you know, in, in, in Sicily, you know, if I wanna see this, you know, what should I do if I wanna go to India and I wanna do this? And there are people who have done it, who have been there and you can meet them and talk to them online. Um, and um, so I think those are two big ways. I mean, I, I've daydreamed about a lot of places and I haven't been to all the places that I want to go to. And now at this stage in my life, I'm also realizing that I like going back to places I've been. So I can kind of gauge how I've changed in my life, how places have changed 
And uh, uh, a trip I took several years ago, I took my daughter with me. She was in her late 20s. And I went back to a place I was I visited 40 years ago and shared it with her. It was visiting the house of a woman I, that I adored who passed away. And I shared this trip with my daughter. And it was just, you know, it was it was a wonderful thing to go back to someplace you've been and see the continuum of your life. Yeah, that's great advice. So arm yourself and then it's okay to go back to places because they're not the same. Right. Everything changes so much. So why did it take you so long to write about traveling? Um, I was a writer uh, for 50 years and I wrote about everything else except me. Um, I think I had, I'd, I'd written one poem about myself many years ago and I was really uncomfortable because it really, I felt very exposed and I felt uncomfortable about people reading it. And it was something so personal to me that kind of turned me off for a while. And then, um, after I, I left my job at 71, um, for the first time I took a tour, I had never been on a tour before. And. I wrote about what it was like being with people and traveling with a group of people, how that was different, how I felt it had, you know, I was changed or could I continue that way? What I liked about it, what I didn't like about it. And I, I wrote to the company, it was Road Scholar, which is this great travel company, and asked them if I could write an article about what it was like after 50 years of traveling alone to travel with a group. And they said, yes, and I started writing for them. And um, then I branched out, I wrote a blog, and then I started writing uh, for travel companies, um, articles about traveling in different countries. And for the past two years, I've been writing about virtual travel, um, you know, travel in your memory, um, how travel changes you, imagining travel, um, uh, you know, all different ways of, I mean, you, you were talking before about the outside and the inside. Travel for me is definitely outside, but it is so much within as well. I mean, it's journeys inside as well, because especially if you're traveling alone, you're with yourself, you know, you're questioning yourself, you're testing yourself, you're thinking, you're remembering. So it is both outside and inside. Lovely response. How, so, and how does uh, mindfulness feed your travel writing? Um, well, one of the things, what it really fed my travel writing when I wasn't going anywhere, um, because um, um, there, there's a way of remembering, and there's been scientific writings about this as well. Um, uh, they call it, I, I, was, I was reading a lot about something called episodic memory, where you can travel back in your mind to a place you've been where you were really joyous and happy. And mindfulness is a big part of that. When you go someplace, you use your senses, you smell things, you see things, you hear things, you, you know, you see everything and you keep track of things. You can write about it and keep track of it that way, or you can keep it in your mind. Um, and then you can experience it for years beyond. I mean, I'm still thinking, I see a tree and I say, that reminds me of a tree I, you know, that I saw in, in, you know, in China, or that reminds me of a place I visited here. So for me, travel is, is keeping that within you where you've already been and bringing it back when you need to, to feel that joy again. 
Yeah. And the mindfulness piece is interesting too, because I think that when we are doing something new, I mean, when we're doing the same old, same old all the time, we're so acclimated to it. Even though you think about driving to work, driving your car to the same place, we're kind of hypnotized because nothing, there's no newness there. But when you do something, you go to a new place, especially if there's new food, new language, new people, you're by yourself, it forces you to you know, really turn on all of your senses and really experience that mindful moments of just being so aware of what you're experiencing. Right. And um, one thing also is with, with travel is that um, a really important thing is the people you meet. Um, I mean, the people that I've, that I've met online, the people that I've, I've, who I'm now, now friends with, and I moved to a new place. And it turns out someone I met online on my travel group knew somebody down the block. So now we're really close friends. It's, it's contact with the world. And um, I'm still in touch with people I met 50 years ago on a ferry in Hong Kong. I'm still in touch with somebody that I met sitting next to her on a plane going to Spain. Um, It's, you know, it, you know, when you travel, your experiences take you through your life. And one other thing that I was thinking a lot about was that um, I think when you're younger, you often travel to take things in. Um, people, new experiences, you know, everything around you. And when you reach a certain point in your life and you've traveled a lot, you travel to give things out. I mean, inspiration, um, your experience, uh, your advice. Um, So that feels like part of the continuum as well. So for people who are listening, myself included, um, who haven't traveled in a long time, like I've traveled a lot in the States and I have traveled to Canada because I live about uh, an hour from the border, but I haven't, I was kind of thinking about it as I was getting ready for the show thinking, my gosh, I haven't been out of North America since my twenties In my twenties. I, you know, I did the Ural pass thing. I did a semester abroad in the UK and London. And then I went all over, you know, you just get on your rail and you wake up in Copenhagen or you wake up in Austria. So at midlife, you know, someone who's listening in the 40s, 50s, where do we start? And what are some of the best places you feel are good places for solo female travelers who are at midlife? Um, I, you know, well, as, as, I, as I said, I've discovered that um, you can find people to go with you um, in a lot of these online travel groups. I'm a member of one group called um, Over 60 Women Travelers, and there's solo travel groups, there's group travel. But um, one way to get started is to go with a small group of like-minded people um, and you can go ahead of time and kind of get used to the place on your own and then hook up with people. And then after uh, a trip ends, you can stay and you can go on your own. I find it, you know, when I think about people traveling now, there are so many different combinations of ways in which to go. I myself would say, uh, I've always dreamed about going to Japan. I would talk to a friend of mine who knew people all over the world. She would put me in touch with someone she knew who lived in Tokyo. And that would be one person I would know. So I would get tickets. I would go to Tokyo. I'd meet up with somebody, sit and talk to them. They'd give me advice. They'd give me names of other people. And then I'd head off on my own. So talk to people who have been there, talk to people online or friends of friends or friends um, uh, who have been there. Um, or if you like, you know, you can do all the research yourself, but read books. I mean, that's a, that's a wonderful way of inspiring travel. I wrote an article once on what inspires women to travel. I mean, it's, it's, it's books, 
fiction and nonfiction, books by women travelers, films. I mean, a lot of people have been inspired by films like Eat, Pray, Love or, or you know, Building a House in Tuscany or whatever. I mean, I was inspired by a, my favorite film in the world, which is I Know Where I'm Going. It's a 1948 film, British film. I went to the island of Mull in Scotland to see where they filmed it. And since then, I've written a bunch of articles on going to film locations for films you love and going there and looking and seeing. I went to the bridge on the River Kwai. I went to places where they, you know, filmed Dr. No. I went to, you know, uh, New Zealand, Lord of the Rings, you know, um, Harry Potter all over the British Isles. I mean, there are lots of things. I once went to a, a, a museum in London that had uh, um, an, stuffed animals like that had died, made into like uh, stories of, of in British poetry, school kids poetry. I mean, that was pretty horrible, I have to say. But there have been many reasons <laughs> for me to get excited. Um, I always wanted to go to Tibet. So I went to Tibet. And um, it was uh, one of the most difficult trips of my life, but I did it. You know, I'd, re I'd been reading about it. I read Alexandra David Neal writing about it. So um, whatever inspires you in your life around you, I mean, you know, read, talk to people, uh, um, daydream, watch television, watch films. There's lots of inspiration. Yeah, it sounds like you you can't do it wrong. And I love the idea of thinking about movies that you've enjoyed. And I, I saw the other day, I don't remember the name of the organization, but it's an organization that it's kind of like Airbnb, but you stay with locals. And the part uh -huh. of what they do is the locals actually kind of show you, show you the ropes. So what do you right. think are some of the best places for midlife women? If you're thinking of, if someone's sort of stepping their toe in, do you recommend any, any sort of specific places? Is it harder to go if you don't speak the language, you know, specific countries? Where where would you recommend? Well, a, if you want to, if you go? really want to just, you know, test yourself and, and well, first of all, traveling on a local trip is a great way to, to try it. Go to an American city, go up to Boston, go to San Francisco, you know, um, drive partially cross country. Um, there are lots of places locally where you can test the waters. Um, in Europe, of course, you go to England. I mean, I love the I love traveling in the British Isles, um, and I have no Scottish, Irish, or British blood, but I felt something for the mythology, the stories, um, uh, and. Uh, you know, when you when you travel alone, you talk to people. You talk to people if you're staying at an air at a at a B and B. You talk to people on trains. Um, it pushes you to get out and communicate, and that that's a good way of meeting people in countries you're traveling to. On the other hand, I've traveled to India six times. I feel an affinity for traveling in India. I go to a different part of the country each time I travel. One of my closest friends lives in New Delhi and she'll take off for any place in India with me. Um, so I love that. My trip to India uh, that I'm going on in November is to visit um, uh, textile villages in Rajasthan. And I'm going with a small group of about 10 women led by a friend of mine who I met online years ago. So, um, you know, you can find somebody who will help you get started doing that, or you can just jump in and do it yourself. But yeah, I mean, uh, um, I, I went to Morocco. Um, I didn't go by myself. I traveled with a friend. Um, but I've traveled. I, I, I went all over Asia after I worked for the Asia Society. And I was completely by myself. I was in Indonesia, Japan, China. And I have never 
had a problem. I've never been robbed or attacked or I'm very careful and I'm careful about going out at night by myself and where I go. And um, I find very often people in foreign countries will take care of you if they see a woman traveling alone. Um, I've had people on trains, families come up to me and say, come sit with us, you're by yourself. So, I mean, you know, you have to learn how to trust people, but know when not to trust the situation. So, I mean, you're relying on yourself a lot, which is a great exercise. Yeah. And just uh, piggybacking on what uh, Michelle said too, I think that energy of just knowing, like if you walk, if it's a dark road and you're walking down the road, if you don't feel safe at some moment in time, like walk the other way. So I think we have a lot of intuition. So we have a few minutes left. So I want to bring Michelle back on and have her ask you a question. Barbara, thank you. You have shared some, so many tidbits and got me super excited about traveling, at least step back into Europe and visit. My daughter lives in Amsterdam. So we're kind of thinking about- Amsterdam is wonderful. Yeah, I've been there, but it's, I'm looking forward to stepping back. So Michelle, do you have a question for Barbara? So many. You're fascinating. I'm really fascinated. I'd like to know where to read your articles for one thing and and what you've written, but has all your travel made uh, through all the years made the world seem like a larger place or a smaller place? Oh, that's that's an interesting question. Um, um, The world is very large. There are so many things to see and so many things to do. Um, And Um, but, but travel is not, you know, travel to some places is not that different from travel to other places. The, the topography may be different. Um, the languages may be different. Some of the culture may be different, but I find that, um, you can find people all over the world who will talk to you, who will communicate with you, um, who are, you know, will take the time to spend time to show you their culture. So I guess in that way, it's a smaller place as well. Yeah, I love that answer too. And I think it's true with everything we have media wise, we really can see that we all are connected. And I think the the biggest issue with humanity is that we just don't see the divinity in everyone and everything. If we all could see, we're all the same species and we need to come together and not be separate and appreciate the differences in between us, the world would be a very, very different place. So real quickly, um, Barbara, if someone wants to read your writing, what's the best place to go? Oh, well, my blog is thebabybloomer.blog. And um, uh, I write, I'm now writing a lot of articles for travelawaits.com. Um, and I write for Road Scholar as well. I write blogs uh, uh, for travel for Road Scholar. And Michelle, if people want to get in touch with you, where is the best place to find you? MichelleWelch.com. All right, MichelleWelch.com. That's easy to remember. Thank you both so much. It was such a joy to voyage with you and to take this little journey. I know I've learned so much. I think for me, um, just seeing you, Michelle, and stepping out of your spiritual closet, you know, going from being a lawyer to being a psychic and feeling really good and proud about what you do was amazing. And Barbara, just you've inspired me to get off my fear pot. I have to say, travel-wise, I'm a little, um, I'm a little scared about it. For years, I was so comfortable with. Uh, my ex-husband did not like to fly. So that sort of kept us sort of stuck for a while, not traveling. But I think I'm going to start thinking about 
doing that. So I'd love, we have about a minute or so left. Any parting words of advice, Michelle, for somebody who wants to explore your realm? Uh, same thing as kind of like Barbara. I, I think the thing is just take a step into it and reach out to other people. There are groups, again, I, I'll take a cue from Barbara. There are groups online uh, where people, you can even get on there. If you are scared to go to a store, you don't feel comfortable, try it out online uh, on Facebook or, or one of the social media platforms that you're on. Uh, that would be a good idea to start too. Yeah, but as we were been saying, be judicious with what you take in. There Absolutely. are, a, I especially, I'm sure there's some in the travel world too, but especially in the metaphysical world, there are so many scammers out there when you yes. come in and you're vulnerable that you really, really have to be careful. And I want to let people know too, uh, Michelle, that you also have um, a podcast. Can you tell people, maybe your podcast for people who want to learn more about developing their psychic skills? Right. So I have a podcast called Soul What, uh, W-H-A-T, and it's on Tuesday nights and it is live. We film, we're live, but then you can watch it later on YouTube or any podcast, watch and listen on any podcast platform. And we have all walks of life. So how people use their intuition. We've had everything, anybody from Matthew McConaughey was on our show to a local reader um, or someone, even a local dentist of in Dallas, how he uses his intuition. So, or just, you know, a psychic like me. Uh, so it just all types of all walks of life. We all use our intuition. We just call it different things. Well, I will so. definitely listen to the episode with Matthew McConaughey. I just finished <laughs> his book and he is just a incredible, an incredible person. So Barbara and Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all so much for listening today. I hope that we have inspired you to travel within and travel without. Hey, if you liked the show, please leave me a review. Let me know what you thought about it. And if you have a question, feel free to reach out to me at themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. I just want to thank my sponsor, theoptimal.me. If you're looking to get fit, they are an amazing website to check out. Thanks again and I will see you in our next episode. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.